Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. The first round of Euro 2020 group stage games are in the can and so far the tournament has been everything we hoped it would be and more. Italy are back, France are looking imperious and football just might be coming home. I'm Dan Burke <laughs> and today I'm joined by three excellent guests representing Italia. It's Francesco Porzio. Hello, hello, ciao. Here we go. <laughs> I'll see on the BBC, it's Lewis Ambrose. Hello. And joining us down the line from Munich is Angelina Kelly. Hello. So Angelina, how's it going in Munich? What's What have you been up to over there? Oh, you know, just the usual, um, visiting Bavarian farmhouses, going to uh, certain football games, you know, no, no, nothing too crazy, living the high life here, but yeah, all good. Yeah, and people can, can see that all that on OneFootball social media channels, right? Definitely, and on our YouTube channel we'll have a few videos dropping of myself and Matt doing some very interesting things, wearing some very interesting things as well. Mm, look, look forward to that. Where are you at the moment, Fran? <laughs> I'm in Milan, in Milan, uh, uh, not so far from Rome, where tonight uh, Italy will play the second game of the tournament, so quite excited to see Italy back, to be honest. Back in business. And you and me are stuck yeah. in sweaty Berlin, eh, Lewis? We're stuck in Berlin, surrounded yeah. by Germans that are miserable because of the France. <laughs> but you, you were on the BBC a few days ago, as I alluded to earlier, so... We're rubbing shoulders with with greatness at the moment, I guess, aren't we? I was, as you as as you said to me, Dan. They'll let anyone on the BBC. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, lucky that the new season of Alan Partridge was still on last <laughs> week, so I wasn't the most embarrassing figure on the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, loads of Euro 2020 action to talk about today and we'll begin with Group A and Friday night's curtain razor in Rome where Italy beat Turkey 3-0. Uh, Fra, after they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, how good did it feel to see Italy back at a major tournament? I was impressed also by the atmosphere that uh, we had here in Italy. Uh, to be honest, probably it's the same thing in England or in other countries, but uh, we're not that excited until the tournament actually starts. And uh, the fact that Italy didn't play for the last five years in a, in a tournament uh, made it even more special this year. Uh, also, I have to say that was kind of emotional seeing a stadium um, not not full, but uh, with 15,000 uh, um, people inside after more than one year. And with what happened in, in our country in the last year is quite emotional. And uh, seeing... Italy playing that well, honestly, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, Italy was amazing in the, in the qualification, 28 uh, results, uh, positive results in a row. Uh, so all was good, all was uh, um, in good shape, let's say, but we were not expecting that impact in the Euros. And honestly, uh, that's super nice to see that. Yeah, but you were just saying off air that Italy always do badly in the second game, though, don't they? So you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I told you that before, so I'm not going to say that loud. But uh, yeah, uh, also in 2006 we drew against US in the in the second game with the own goal of Zaccardo and uh, and the red card of Daniele De Rossi. So uh, let's ke- let's let's keep the uh, focus for next game. Sure, sure. Uh, Lewis, what did you enjoy most? Andrea Bocelli singing Nessun Dorma, Roberto Mancini's suit, or Lorenzo Insigne's goal? Would you say? <laughs> Um, Mancini suit, Mancini suit, Definitely. and the fact that he decided to yes, and be done with the jacket at half time. <laughs> the, the jacket, he wasn't feeling it. Come out second half, three goals, 
made all the difference. That um, man just gets better looking with age, doesn't he? He's magnificent. But you know the story. Of, you know the story of and, the jacket, and younger, right? And younger. Yeah. He looks younger than he looked when he was managing Man City. Maybe that's the stress of, of living in Manchester compared yeah, to, yeah. Then to careful to now. <laughs> Go for it. Tell no, us. No, the story is about uh, that's a remake of the of the suite of uh, Enzo Berzot in 1982 when Italy won the World Cup. So if you see the comparison between uh, Berzot in 1992-82 and uh, Roberto Mancini now, they look very similar. And so I think it was just a way to be, you know, positive about the Euros. Yeah, it's written in the stars. Well, it, is that what we're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Angelina, are you like me dismayed that the stupid trend of teams wearing their away kit for no reason has now infiltrated the international game too? This game just looks aesthetically wrong to me that Italy were wearing white against a team in red. 100%. I didn't understand what was going on. I mean, we were all watching it in Munich like, hang on a minute, these shirts are not the shirts that we expected to see. <laughs> uh, very disappointing. Um, and especially, I think, you know, if you are a, a kit person and you love a good shirt, yeah, it does it does wind me up a little bit because sometimes, you know, you you like to look at the little details, you know, of the kits or for me as well, you know, the manager's fashion decisions, all that type of stuff goes with the game. So yeah, very frustrating. Mm. I don't know if I don't actually know the reason. I don't know if there is some reason and I'm missing something massive here, but very frustrating. I'm sure Puma just agreement. have an agreement that they have to wear the kit a certain number of times and Probably. there's no other reason for them to wear it in their group so they just re- wear it for no reason don't they basically? What is the world coming to? Indeed. It's not graceful. Not very azuri, is it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm also disappointed that the, the, the ball being brought onto the pitch by the little car seems to have only lasted one game. I thought we were going to Enjoy that every single game at this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I thought that as well, but then I thought that's going to get very old very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, onto, the, onto the actual game, though, Fra. I mean, a lot of people were saying it was a very untypical, uh, untypically Italian way of playing the game. Would you, would you agree with that? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's a fair assessment if you think about football 20 years ago. But uh, thank God football evolved also in Italy, <laughs> not only outside. And uh, uh, it's a representation of, uh, of Italian football right now. And that's, uh, that's a good thing. If, if we think about managers like uh, uh, Roberto De Zerbi, for example, who is now went to Shakhtar Donetsk, he plays a kind of football very similar to this Italy and uh, I think that's a good representation of Italian football. It's nice to see Italy playing that that well. And uh, I know you are a Roberto Mancini fan, Dan, like mm-hmm. me. So I think we were expecting this kind of football from Italy, coached by by him. But uh, yeah, totally. I I agree with the fact that it's not the classic uh, Italian way of playing football. If we think about the last Euros with Antonio Conte was completely different, but also he had completely different players. Uh, the talent this kind of Italy has is completely different. Think about that uh, uh, he didn't call players like Zaniolo, Politano, uh, players that can make an impact, and he didn't do that. So uh, I think this, uh, it was a very solid start, and hopefully it's not just a start, but also can be a journey to, to London, let's put it this way. <laughs> How important is uh, Chiro Mobile to making it all work for Italy, would you say? Uh, I think that Chiro Immobile uh, is not the ideal player for Roberto Mancini, he's not the ideal striker for Roberto Mancini, but uh, he was quite good in the first game and I was not expecting that. To be honest, he was quite, he was a bit, a big disappointment in the qualification for Italy 
everyone was saying that Italy is missing a number nine that fits Mancini's style. But to be honest, I don't know if you agree with me, but in the first game, he was perfect for, for the, mm. for, for Italy. And, uh, also think that uh, um, Andrea Belotti, who is a completely different kind of striker, is on the bench and can make an impact from the bench. And uh, also there is uh, Giacomo Raspadori, who is considered a young talent that can 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 be the I don't know the the, the rising star for Italy. But uh, I agree with that Immobile was was really really good in the first game. Yeah, it's easy to forget about Belotti. Actually, I saw him on the bench at, the, <laughs> at this game. I was yeah. like, wow, it wasn't that long ago people were talking about 100 million for him, weren't they? And yeah, what? now they talk about 25 million. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, were you disappointed with Turkey at all here, Lewis? I mean, a few people were tipping them as potential dark horses going into the tournament, but they didn't show up really, did they? Yeah, I mean, Italy were good, but I did also think Turkey were bad and. Most disappointingly, really unambitious, mm. quite happy as long as the game was nil-nil, not committing bodies forward, not really looking to make a game of it. I imagine that they'll sort of be looking at Switzerland and Wales and think those are the two group games where they are more likely to get points. But based on that, dark horses, there's absolutely no chance. Yeah, Barak Yilmaz looked looked 35 years old in this game, didn't he, unfortunately, I would say. Yeah, 35 years old and up front on his own and just absolutely no chance to have any sort of impact. Yeah. Uh, The other game in Group A finished Wales 1, Switzerland 1. Angelina, Wales had a great time at the last Euros in 2016. Are you expecting more more of the same from them this year or or do you think uh, the performance in this game suggests it's probably not going to be their year? I think it's just one of those where you have your memories from 2016, hold them tight and just keep it moving, to be honest. I mean, it it was, I, I kind of, you know, I, I feel like they were lucky to where, to get away with, with one point. And I think the, the game against Turkey will probably be um, more interesting to see really where they are at. But yeah, I mean, you look at that, that Euro 2016 team, you know, these players are four or five years older now. There's not really any names that have come through that you think are, you know, big, big players, big stars or anything like that. No disrespect to them at mm. all, but I just don't really see them having enough. And at the end of the day, um, not saying that a group stage should be a complete and utter breeze, but you, you, you need to be, you need to be providing us with a lot more, um, a, a, against Switzerland. It shouldn't be that you're just clinging on for dear life, hoping that, you know, you've, you've managed to get a goal back and just clinging on. I, I want to see a bit more from them. I think Turkey will, will be interesting to see, but yeah, I'm not holding out much hope. So sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wales fans. Yeah. Friday, do you see anything from those two teams that concerned you as an Italy fan? To be honest, the, the thing I'm most concerned about is Italy itself, uh, because uh, I, I know how how the temperature of the of the country of the fans can be after this kind of game, and uh, you know, it's I'm more concerned about Italy itself than actually the other two teams. Uh, even if, uh, I, I, to be honest, I think Switzerland are a good team, so I think Italy need to be concerned about them more probably than Wales, but. Uh, uh, as I said, I consider that the main issue is Italy more than others. Uh, also, the fans right now are like, you know, we think we can win the World Cup now, so maybe it's too much yeah. <laughs> after just one game. Indeed, yeah. So there is too win much, too much pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> step by step. Uh, Lewis is our foremost Bundesliga observer. You must know a fair bit about Switzerland and Gladbach's Briel and Bolo. Is he the Briel deal for you? Oh, dear. Um, 
<laughs> I, I thought he was the best player on the pitch on on Saturday. I think everything good seemed to to have him right at the centre of it, and I think Wales found him really difficult to deal with. He's had huge, huge issues with injuries before. A few years ago, he was at Schalke, and he missed pretty much an entire season. Came back, missed half of the following season as well, and I think that slowed down his progress. And then this performance was maybe the sort of game you'll see from him once every six or seven or eight games. Mm. And turning into that that next level of player is just going to depend on if he can start delivering and playing like that mm. week in, week out at some point. Obviously, you saw the way that he played against Wales. If he plays like that, he's, nobody can deal with him. Yeah. He could have a really, really big impact on the tournament, I think. Yeah. I think I had Switzerland when we were previewing the, the groups... You look at the team and I think a striker that's going to consistently, regularly score goals and be a threat is the one thing that they're really missing. If he just hits a purple patch and a run of form during this tournament, then I think they could upset a few people. Yeah, one to watch for sure. Uh, on to Group B now, and that of course got underway with a match that will be remembered for reasons other than football when Finland beat Denmark 1-0 on Saturday. I think it's safe to say everybody watching this game was really traumatised when Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch. Uh, Angelina, talk me through how you were feeling as that unfolded. and Did you feel at all that the, 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 the TV coverage was a little bit mawkish? You know what, I, I agree, it was completely traumatising um, and I know for me personally it just took me back to, um, and I know he's been on television talking about it since in the UK, but the Fabrice Muamba situation mm-hmm. um, and I guess that, that that he managed to come back after his heart had stopped beating for almost 80 minutes, um, I think I was kind of clinging onto that when we didn't know what was going on um, and there was talk about cardiac arrest and stuff, I was just clinging onto that, you know, yeah. saying a prayer. It was it was really, really traumatic to see the way that he just kind of went down. You know, my phone was blowing up. People were, you know, it, it was really, really scary. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could sit and talk about the media all day, couldn't you? But I just think props to his teammates for reacting um, so so responsibly and also the referee and everything I think the fact that it's kind of sad though that you're having to form a circle around somebody who is if we're being brutal somebody who could potentially be dying you're you're having to you're having to form a circle around them to protect them from media I think it's just it it really did leave um, a sour taste in my mouth and I think a lot of people definitely have to look at themselves and how far you push things and you know that people deserve basic respect Dignity, you know what I mean yeah, and, yeah. and exactly and that's it and I think the fact that you know if somebody's not saying that it's still appropriate for this but you know if, if a player's gone down with an injury and it looks like his leg's broken or something mm. again I don't really want to be seeing a leg that's half facing the wrong way around either because I don't think it's right but you know something like that they're trying to figure out what's going on blah blah, blah. but when it's clear that somebody has collapsed for a medical reason when they were leading him off with those white sheets until I saw the image of him clearly like responsive i was i was thinking the worst from being yeah, completely honest it's a- and it's like like it just it really yeah sour taste in my mouth and i'm just so relieved that he's okay and i just think um in a way in, in my perception anyway is that it's kind of just been swept under under the rug of like oh yeah we shouldn't have really you know been trying to zoom in on somebody potentially dying yeah are bad no they need to look at this uh, this deeper and even the media in the UK you know the next um on the monday morning on uh, on breakfast television they're talking about oh will he ever play again blah blah, blah. Mm. hang on a minute let's just figure out what's actually wrong with the man before you decide on breakfast tv that oh yeah his career's done so yeah it was 
not great at all. Yeah, well, I watched the Germany-France game last night on, on German TV and after the game, they showed it again. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we've, surely we don't need to see this again. Everyone yeah. kind of knows exactly. what happened by now. It's crazy. Uh, Fra, yeah. you're, you're an Inter fan. Was it extra upsetting for you? Would you say? Uh, I don't know if it was extra. I don't think so, to be honest. Uh, I think in these kind of moments, uh, you don't even think about where Ericsson is playing or where other players are playing. Just something else than football, no? And uh, I, maybe after, I, I, it was super nice to see the reaction of uh, all Italy not only for Ericsson, but also for uh, Simon Kier, the AC yeah. Milan defender and Denmark captain who protected, uh, uh, who was the first one to, to help Ericsson on the pitch, who was the first one to, um, I would say, to, 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 to say something to, to Ericsson's wife in that mm-hmm. moment. And also was, was the man who couldn't play in the second half as the man, as the head coach of, uh, the Danish national team said afterwards. Uh, I don't think I was extra upset for, because, because of Inter. I think more that, uh, uh, it was a moment, uh, as, as you were saying before, that, uh, everything stopped, you no? Know? And yeah. it was super difficult to, to accept that something can happen. And, uh, the question is, how is that possible? How is that possible that players are, 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 are going through these kind of things in 2021? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we need to, and also like, uh, it make you think that, uh, even the best players, even the most controlled people in the world, uh, uh, can go through this kind of situation. So that's, super upsetting and super difficult to accept. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people are happy to kind of like say, oh, thank God he's, he's okay. And now we can move on and everyone lives ha- happily ever after. And, you know, Ericsson said himself in his statements that he needs to understand what has happened to him here. It's, yeah. it's it, it can't just be some sort of like freak incident that, that you know, has no underlying effects. That, you know, something's seriously wrong there. So, uh, no, also yeah. I think it's not, it's not respectful to, mm. to, to as, you, as you were saying before, to, to say today or even tomorrow he can play, he cannot play anymore. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the business only for, for of Ericsson and of uh, his family and of the people who will look for him. And, uh, and we cannot do that. And we, we, we can't just say what we think. There is nothing to think in this kind of situation. We just need to wait and see what happens. That's exactly. It. Uh, Lewis, how shocked were you that the game was resumed and finished on Saturday night? Do you think that decision should have been taken out of Denmark's hands, even if they did want to play on? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about they were maybe forced into playing by UEFA. We don't know if that's official, uh, officially been confirmed so far. Yeah, I from everything that we've heard that there was no suggestion that the option that the game just ended and it was a draw and each team got a point it sounded like that wasn't something that was an option um that was on the table i was really shocked um and i was quite i noticed on on german television they spoke to kevin prince boateng in the studio the day after on Sunday and then also Bastian Schweinsteiger on Sunday night. He was in Amsterdam for the Netherlands game and both of them said that they don't think the players should have even had a say that mm. after experiencing something so traumatic, how can the players be expected to be in a state of mind where they help make this decision or do make this decision? So I think on the one hand, even if the players sort of insisted, which again, we don't know and, and we Peter Schmeichel said that they sort of took the option that was the least bad option instead of going home to the hotel and not sleeping and then having to get up and play the next day or possibly forfeiting the match. Um, that the option they all decided was the 
best of, of three not very good choices was to play that night. Um, but, you know, as I say, as, as Boateng and Schweinsteiger both said, how the players can be given that responsibility to make a decision like that when they've just been through such a traumatic event, uh, the, yeah, I mean, it sort of baffles belief. Mm. I mean, I don't understand why the game couldn't have been at least played the next day. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, that it's not going to mess with the scheduling that much, is it, surely, just to give people sort of 24 hours at least to kind of yeah, come or, to terms with well, it, yeah. Why Why is the schedule so holy? Yeah. Why can't Why can't this game, why can't they have gone home and played this game at the end of the group stage, just, you know, sort of squeeze it in before yeah. the, the next round and, and shuffle around the, the next round fixtures, maybe delay some of those by a day or something, you yeah. know, it's... <laughs> I don't understand why it would be so difficult to take that human element into account and just move the game to a completely different day. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Finland uh, as well. You know, their first win on a major tournament debut probably didn't get the fanfare it deserved after everything that went on. Um, could you see them maybe making it to the knockout stages now, Angelina? Were you were you impressed with them in this game at all? Um, it's kind of hard to 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 praise them in a way because yeah. it was so I mean at, at the end of the day you know they, they got the win and massive congratulations to them but like you say I can't imagine they were walking off the pitch like yeah great game we smashed it do you know what I mean it's yeah. not that kind of vibe it's probably the most humble win you would ever see I would imagine um and unfortunately we don't know what's um obviously we we still don't know what's going to happen with Ericsson in the future and all of that type of stuff and I'm sure it will be weighing really heavily on mm. the players um I think my my major concern is as we've said these these men that are playing in this tournament are human they're going to have human reactions and the trauma that they have dealt with how are they going to kind of because I wouldn't know how I'd be able to do it to rally yourself to then continue playing you know the rest of this tournament um and unfortunately that may give Finland more of a chance because we're not we don't know how Denmark are going to be able to recover from this if they're going to be able to and I think if they do struggle in this group stage I don't think anybody could blame them like I say because of the trauma that they're dealing with um but you know talk about Finland um like I say it was good that they got the win um I'm not too sure how they will fare against Belgium I can't really see them getting the win over them if I'm being completely honest but I think they've definitely got a good chance um and not only was I impressed with their performance, but also, you know, the the sportsmanship that they uh, they displayed as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were probably traumatised by it as well. So for them to that's the other thing yeah. to, to play to as well is, is is impressive as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Belgium there later on Saturday. They made a winning start to the tournament with a three 0 victory over Russia. Uh, talk to me about Romelu Lukaku, Fra. I mean, after a disappointing stint at Manchester United, he's been brilliant for Inter and really showed his class here. Do you think he's uh, a little bit underrated? I think now, yes, to be honest. Uh, maybe two years ago, he was overrated when he arrived at Inter Milan and uh, I, I could understand the kind of uh, point of view. But right now, in the last two seasons, he was amazing. He was the reason why Inter won the Scudetto this, this year. Uh, Antonio Conte wanted him so badly that he was ready to 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 step down as an Inter Milan manager even before starting to, to in the first year. So <laughs> Doesn't no, sound I'm like not Conte. No, it doesn't sound like him, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that tells you how much he wanted him and that to- today to- makes totally sense, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, I, but a part of the football side, which is under the eyes of everyone, because you just need to read the numbers and that those speaks for themselves. I also like the Lukaku 
outside the pitch uh, parts, you know. Yeah. I think he's a as a great man. He's a great example for a lot of people, for a lot of uh, not only uh, football players but also people that are not even interested in, in football. Uh, he's a he's a great man, and honestly, the, the celebration for Ericsson was was touching uh, in that moment uh, because you could feel it was real it could, mm. and uh, and that's something that we need to appreciate more probably about him uh, and uh, he, he, he deserves the best to be honest yeah agreed uh, was this Belgium laying down a marker for you Lewis and should they be considered contenders to win the whole lot I mean they've uh, they've still got Kevin De Bruyne to come back of course yeah absolutely I think Axel Witzel as well should return this week De Bruyne we don't need to talk about De Bruyne and how yeah. important he is and, and his quality they yeah to turn up at a tournament I think it's the earliest goal in the tournament so far ahead after 10 minutes didn't look back and they've got in Lukaku the guy who is a massive contender for the golden boot as well you'd fancy their chances to beat anyone they come up against. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so much quality all over the pitch, isn't there? Except maybe in defence. I don't know. I'm a little bit unsure about them defensively, but uh, we'll see how that goes when they come up against uh, someone decent later in the tournament. Uh, Russia, they really put themselves about at the World Cup three years ago, but they, they looked pretty toothless in this game. Didn't really get going at all. Didn't really offer a lot. Uh, Angelina, were you as surprised as I was that Yuri Zhirkov is still playing? 37 years I, old? I couldn't believe it. I was like, is that when the same I... guy who played for Chelsea? Yeah. Honestly, um, I was in total shock because I know that he had kind of retired after that amazing World Cup, but then he's ended up just kind of like, oh, you want me to come back for the Euro qualifiers? Okay. Oh, you want me to be in the squad? All right. And he's, I, I love <laughs> the fact that he, he's, he's managed to make this comeback. Um, I'm not sure I've seen reports that maybe he's going to be out for the is, rest yeah, of the yeah. tournament now. Yeah. Which is such a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I love to see um, older players that you do not expect to even still be uh, kicking a football for the national team to rock up. Give it a good try. Yes, Russia did not look great. I don't have much confidence in them, if I'm being honest, but props to him for showing up and having a go. Yeah, good there's, for him. there's a few old fogies at this tournament, actually. Pepe, there are. <laughs> Pandev, Ronaldo. <laughs> All, all, the old, all the old boys are having uh, one last dance, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Group C kicked off with Austria beating major tournament debutants North Macedonia three one. Uh, Lewis, I didn't see anyone tipping Austria as their tournament dark horses. Are we are we sleeping on them or or what? I mean, does Marco Arnautovic need to stop insulting other players as you wait for put it? Um, yes, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I think when you <laughs> they will help. Yes, yeah. It's it, it's it's classic Marco Arnautovic, right? Just getting so so angry about. <laughs> nobody really knows and then just mouthing off at someone um i, I really enjoyed david alaba's reaction as yeah. well as like just trying to muzzle him it's <laughs> the only way to make him shut up uh <laughs> austria would were, were pretty good i thought they were a bit maybe a bit disappointed in the first half and they were in a difficult situation i think north macedonia playing your first ever tournament game and they were really up for it as soon as austria decided to get David Alaba a little bit further up the pitch then the game was sort of yeah. over quite quickly and they looked really good at the back I, I don't know I don't know how far they could go but I think there's enough quality around the pitch to you know keep going and to, to maybe upset a couple of teams as well along the way I don't see them sort of getting to the semi-finals or anything like that but they're also in a group that maybe isn't the hardest group so 
they could fancy definitely at least get into the knockout rounds now they've got three points. Yeah, well, Arnautovic is out of that Netherlands game, so that might make things a bit trickier for them. Uh, Fra, you will have seen a lot of Goran Pandev in Serie A over the years. Is it any surprise to you that he's still scoring at the highest level at the age of 37? I don't, I don't think it surprises me because uh, uh, every time I think he's uh, close to retire, close to the hand, he, he surprises everyone. And that was the same that happened with Inter Milan. Think about like when, when he was in Inter Milan, when Inter won the, uh, the treble in 2000, 2010, you, you could probably think that was almost the end of his career. And then it's 11 years after and he's still scoring in a European championship like the Euros. And that's unbelievable. Uh, he was amazing also in the, all the other experience he had. In Genoa, he's a legend. He's, uh, even, they, they, you know, Genoa, they changes basically six, seven, eight strikers every year. And he's still there. Yeah. He's still one of them. <laughs> and he's still the only one scoring and, uh, uh, saving them every season. So I, I'm not surprised to be honest, but it's amazing to see him like this and probably can be the end of his career because he said that he will decide after the Euros if to retire or if not. So hopefully he doesn't, but it will make sense to retire after this kind of champion, yeah. this kind of tournament. There's a man who's been balding for as long as I can remember, but has still yet to go bald. So that hairline is just hanging on <laughs> that, in there, isn't it? That's why he looks uh, he looks old since he was uh, 22, <laughs> yeah, 23. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other game in Group C was a cracker as Netherlands beat Ukraine 3-2 on Sunday night. Angelina, are you happy to have the Dutch back at a major tournament? Does this performance suggest we've underestimated them somewhat? So happy to have them back. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good game. Very entertaining, um, especially for a neutral. Um, I feel like this group is, uh, you know, probably theirs for the taking, really. Um, and, yeah, I've, I, I was quite impressed by them. Um, I guess it's one of those, if you've not seen, um, if you're not like an avid Netherlands fan and you're watching all of their fem- friendlies every five minutes, I guess people maybe do sleep on them a little bit. Um, I think underestimated them I think it's it's understandable why people are cautious I know that um you know fans themselves have kind of been a little bit cautious of the manager and stuff like that but um you know when you look at that team I think it's a it's a very strong team do I think it's a Euro 2020 winning team no but do I feel that they can they should be getting out of that group I think that not too sure whereabouts they will finish in the next round but I think they will definitely finish in this tournament quite, I'd like to think they will anyway, quite respectably. Like I say, you look at some of those names in that team, um, you know, some, some real talent in there. And I think if they can, they can get the formula right and make it work. Um, then yeah, I've, I've, I'm excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah, it's never a good sign when fans are fl- flying plane banners over the training ground before a tournament has even started, yeah. is it? But, you know, v- exactly. vindication for Frank de Boer in that first game, I guess you might exactly. say. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the start Ukraine wanted, but do you think they still have a pretty good chance of getting out of this group, Fra? I think it's not that easy, to be honest, but uh, I'm quite confident about Andriy Shevchenko because he... He is considered one of the best young uh, managers uh, in this tournament, uh, and uh, he was also close to to become the AC Milan manager uh, uh, when they then they chose for for Stefano Pioli. Mm. Uh, so he might be. I think this is a good challenge for him, and uh, I think they have some. They have chances, of course. They have. There are two games left, so why not? But uh, of course, it's not easy at all. Yeah. Well, then we come to Group D, which began with England's win over Croatia on Sunday. Uh, Lewis, how impressive were England in that game for you? Is is football coming home or what? Well, it's come home already. You're <laughs> the, 
three three lions was was about the tournament coming back. Yeah, um, true. So it's the it's the world in motion. That's the, the other question. The world's always in motion. Yeah. The world's oh, always in motion. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah there's just who would be the John Barnes rapper in this England squad, do you think, by the way? Good question. Because I think Calvin Phillips. Yeah, yeah. He's, mm. he's got the hairstyle for it, for sure, yeah. <laughs> but be, it would sound a bit weird in his Yorkshire accent. Uh, accent. Um, anyway, I, <laughs> I thought England would, for 25 minutes brilliant like i've never Great seen start, england it, yeah. approach not even the opener i've never seen england play a like that at a tournament before for mm. for 20 25 minutes a sustained spell like that the just the pace of the game was incredible croatia couldn't live with them at all and then they didn't score and i thought will they regret not scoring when they were all over them obviously not they got the chance in the end raheem sterling scoring it was a really, really solid start. Even though it was only 1-0, it wasn't nervous towards the end of the game. It didn't ever feel like Croatia were going to score. Like they, they saw quite a bit of the ball, but they didn't really threaten. Yeah, Gareth Southgate got it right. England have got a ridiculously talented squad mm-hmm. um, to, to not even have Jaden Sancho and the 23 players yeah. on the day. It says everything about the players that he's got at his disposal. And if they play like that, and if they keep getting a bit better, which I think you could probably you'd probably expect as the tournament goes on, then people can get very excited. I think indeed, yeah. Well, Southgate's team selection raised a few eyebrows. The the Sancho omission, Sterling starting, Trippier playing left back was was it vindicated by the result, Angelina? Especially as Sterling scored the winner. Definitely. I mean, I can understand why eyebrows were being raised, but you know, like Lewis said, it was such a solid performance, and I think. At the end of the day, it's um, it, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint, guys. You know, there's plenty of games for everybody to play. Let's just calm down. Um, and yeah, I think it's great. I think also the fact that you know you could argue that you know the likes of Sancho or um, you know Grealish wasn't starting. Um, you know, n- names like those that you maybe would expect to be in a starting eleven. I think again, like Lou said, uh, you know, it it demonstrates the talent that this team has. Um, and I'm really glad that it was a solid performance because the last thing that you need is, you know, can you imagine the headlines in the UK had the game not have gone as well? <laughs> it would have been an absolute mare. So I'm just really, really glad for him that um, it was a solid performance. It was a good result. Um, and yeah, I think it just shows the talent that we've got that some people would argue that is maybe not our strongest, strongest 11. Um, but we still got the result. And I'm really, really chuffed for Sterling. Um I mean, I know that people can argue that maybe he's not had the most electrifying season with Manchester City compared to some of the other players, you know, in in the team. But you know what? I think the fact that he came out, played so brilliantly, got the goal. Um, there's something about Raheem Sterling with England that is just, I just love to see it. So yeah, I was buzzing. He's an old head in the squad now as well, isn't he really? He's been at a few it's tournaments. Weird, and... weird to think that, that he's yeah. actually an, an old head and like a father of three. And so you don't look at him and think that at all. But yeah, yeah was buzzing for him. Indeed. Uh, Lewis, was Calvin Phillips' performance a surprise at all for you? And, and can you see Jordan Henderson getting back in now, given England have got Rice and Phillips in that position? I wasn't surprised by the energy in his performance and, you know, he plays for Leeds and this is how they play. Yeah. I, I was surprised by the just how far forward he got in yeah. with the goal. You're used to seeing him play for Leeds and he sits in front of the, the back four and he's the guy that, that plays that position and plays that role and 
moves them forward and he was moving England forward but just with his running not with his not with his passing not sitting in front of the the defence he definitely played further forward and more aggressively than Declan Rice yeah I did not expect it I didn't see it coming that that he'd play so adventurously um, and it's one hell of a way to start a tournament to just come in and, and drop a performance like that and just Henderson as you say who comes out if Henderson goes in and you've got Jude Bellingham sitting there on the bench as well we obviously yeah. got on for the final sort of 10 minutes or so the options are, are plenty we might see Henderson Bellingham I think we might see those players just for rotation and especially the the second the third group game now that England have already got that one win and three teams go through in a lot of the groups so they should be through now no matter what anyway so I think we'll definitely see them but when it gets to knockout rounds Gareth Southgate's got a really really difficult choice when he's trying to pick a team to to win in 90 minutes and get you through to the next one yep and it's easiest to get it wrong when you've got so many options I find so that'll be my concern yeah and like you said about the criticism for this game, it's like, it's just, no matter who you play, there are going to be three or four or five top quality players that don't play. And that's what we saw already at the weekend. And it's going to be the same in all the games just because of how good the squad is. And people are going to find something to moan about no matter yeah. what the 11 is. Exactly, yeah. And then whenever, if it doesn't work out, people are going to moan and, and say, oh, you should have played him, you should have played him. But as you said, people, a lot of people wouldn't have wanted Raheem Sterling in the team the other day. And I thought it's not only the goal, but he was fantastic the entire game. Yeah, I tell you what, people tweeting about team news an hour before the game is one of my pet hates these days. <laughs> Just wait and see what happens. Like you don't, you, you don't know whether the team is good or bad until the game has been played. Surely, like, just calm down. Chill your beans, everybody. Uh, Fra, you were supporting Croatia at the World Cup three years ago, if I remember correctly, weren't you? No, you don't. <laughs> it was totally the opposite. Come on, come no, on. No, because I, I have to explain this because I, Lewis remembers that, I'm sure. I, w- like, I think it was the first game of the, of the World Cup. I was saying, no, Croatia is oh, not going to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah. It's not, not going to be great, this, uh, this World Cup. They will, be, they will fail, they will fail, they will do not good. And then they went to the final. So, so every game then, I was hoping they were... <laughs> and then you were proven right, finally. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, I was going to ask if you were disappointed with them in this game, but I guess, no, you were vindicated. No, no I mean... I, <laughs> They, they, they became my friends after, after the, after the, the World Cup. But, uh, I have to say that, uh, I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. Yes, I was expecting more, but, uh, you know, football is coming home. So everyone needs to, to play against England, right? Yeah. And lose. It, do you think it's one, <laughs> one tournament too many for Modric? Uh, I mean, he was great for Real Madrid last season, wasn't he? So you would suggest I, that? I, no, I, he looks I a mean, bit outpaced they, in this game to me. Yeah, true, but uh, I wouldn't judge Modric just for one game, to be honest. I, we, we made the same mistakes two seasons ago with Real Madrid, and uh, last season was great, as you yeah, said, so true. I will wait a bit. <laughs> uh, the other game in Group D finished Scotland nil, Czech Republic 2. Uh, Lewis Hampton Park was rocking, and Scotland didn't play too badly, uh, but they did lose. Was this, was this a must-win game for them, and could their tournament dream die against England at Wembley on Friday now? I think on paper you would look at it and say that that was the game, the easiest game in the group for them. And they'd beaten Czech Republic the last two times they'd played them. They'll be really disappointed. They played on home turf. As you said, Hampton Park was a sight to behold. It was 
Podrick's kilt was a sight to behold as well, yeah. <laughs> there was definitely a sight to behold. The most important um, thing. Yeah. Or, or, or a sight to quickly discard, depending <laughs> on, on how, you, how you look at it. Um, I, no, I like, it, genuinely, hearing the, the anthem, I, I almost felt a little bit emotional, very far from being Scottish. Yeah. Um, I thought it was amazing. It, it sounded like the place was absolutely packed. I think it's about 12,000, about 9,000 of them actual like official Scotland fan members that got tickets that way you never would have guessed that, that it was only yeah. 9 10 12,000 in the stadium it was incredible um and i was quite gutted for them to be honest yeah. and now yeah we'll have to wait and see i think they did play pretty well i think they were quite unlucky i think when you let in a goal like the one that, that Patrick Schick scored for the, the second goal of the game is you just sort of have to say it's not our day. It's just yeah. not going to happen. And it's not really your fault. They had a fair few chances after that to get back into it as well. When they hit the bar, the goalkeeper played really well for, for the Czech Republic. So I do think if they play like that or even a little bit better, they were without Kieran Tierney too, who's so important. Scott McTominay played in, at centre-back a lot during the qualification and was in midfield and probably... They asked a little bit too much of him to to run the game through him in midfield. I think Scotland played well and can still play better. And I think we saw enough from, or we saw so little from Croatia against England that I wouldn't rule out that they can they can go and beat Croatia. It just then you wonder if they're going to have to get a point at Wembley against England as well. Then it starts to look a little bit tricky. It does. Do you think Tierney might make the difference in that game? I, th- I think it makes a huge difference. Mm. I think to have one of your best players available and the fact that he plays on that left side with Andy Robertson and you've got probably the two best players or two most talented players in the team and they play with each other I think it makes each of them so much more difficult to handle so he could make a a massive difference you you saw it for Arsenal all season a different team when Kieran Tierney was playing and playing well exactly yeah Uh, Fra did Patrick Schick already win the goal of the tournament in this game of course he did. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was the the effect of that of that shot was unbelievable. I don't know if you saw the 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 replay from 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 I think it was from the up beside the the goal. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like it, the the ball was going like far away, and all of a sudden it changed complete direction. Unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, it's not going to be beaten. You don't think? No, no. Fair enough. But Angelina, are we are we blaming goalkeeper David Marshall at all for that? Oh, just leave him alone. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He was actually he became the second oldest player to appear for Scotland in a major tournament. So let him celebrate that and we'll just forget that the goal ever happened. I mean, it's one of those. He'd already made um quite a couple of decent saves and it, it's just I, I can't even be mad at him because it was just such a spectacular goal. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel bad for him, to be honest. Well, I feel... Yeah, it's a risky take, isn't it, by playing a, a, as a goalkeeper, sort of, you know, ready to anticipate balls coming over the top. You might occasionally get lobbed from the halfway line, but it's going to be so rare that yeah. it's still worth the risk, isn't it, I guess, yeah. But Schick, yeah, Schick, Schick said that he, he spotted him doing it earlier in the game, didn't he? And thought, next time I get a chance, I'll have a go. And there you go, one in a million, I guess. And- Mm. And even the risk, like how many over the course of a season or something, how many counter attacks would be stopped because Marshall yeah. was so far up the pitch and like the ball can't be played in behind the defence because he's there waiting to to collect it. it. 
it's a piece of brilliance from from Patrick Schick and uh, David Mar- I just feel sorry for David yeah. Marshall. He's he's not going to be yeah. able to to close his eyes without seeing that ball <laughs> loop over his head. I don't think for a while. Yeah. Yeah, let's just say it was a great goal. Poor David Marshall. Uh, Group E got going on Wednesday with Slovakia's went over Poland. Uh, a lot of people probably tuned into this one hoping for some Robert Lewandowski magic, but he was pretty quiet. Uh, what did you put that down to, Lewis? Was he missing someone to play off like he has with Thomas Muller at Bayern? Yeah, I I think it's sometimes it's as simple as one one week you know, or you know during the season we see him play for Bayern Munich with world class teammates. And now he's playing for Poland without world-class teammates. Mm. Um, they're they're a decent enough side, but you're not going to get the service that you get from from Müller and Gnabry and Coman and Thiago a year ago and Kimmich. All of these guys that he plays with week in week out, and that is you know he he puts the ball in the back of the net every other week or every week, and, and usually more than once as well. But those chances don't come without those players, those teammates. I think that's just the difference, basically, and to expect him to be able to deliver. If a chance comes to him, or if Poland are having a good game, you'd back him to score. Those chances just aren't going to come as often as they do at club level. Yep. Even the best need service, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of Serie A stars had an impact on this game. Firstly, Wojciech Chesney became the first goalkeeper to score an own goal in European Championship <laughs> history, which really surprised me because you think there'd be loads, wouldn't you? Yeah. And uh, and then Inter Mil- Inter's Milan Skriniar scored the winning winning goal with a nice half volley. Did you realise he had that kind of finish in his locker for? Yes, because he did the exact same goal against Sampdoria this oh. year. So <laughs> exactly the same. But uh, no, Milan Skriniar, I think, is one of the best centre-backs that we have right now in Europe, uh, mm. to be honest. Uh, no, it's not a coincidence that Tottenham wanted him last, last, last year and they interested 70 million for him. So yeah. uh, they, they know how to value uh, this kind of player. Um I was surprised by Chesney and, uh, because, uh, yeah, as you said, <laughs> I didn't know how it was possible. The only one on goal for a goalkeeper in the history of the Euros. Probably they changed the rules through the years because that's the only, the only, the only reason why. And, uh, but yes, I was, uh, I, w- I read a, a, stat- a stats about, uh, uh, players that scored per club. Mm. And I, there was like, I think Inter Milan has, has three and that is the one with most players. And the last one on the table is Juventus with minus two, Demiral and Chelsea. <laughs> oh, yes. So, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, impressive from Skriniar, but he's one of the best, so... Not, not that impressed. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other game in Group E finished Spain nil, Sweden nil. Angelina, does Spain lack a striker with a cutting edge, or should Luis Enrique just pick Gerard Moreno over Alvaro Morata? You know what? When you look at some of the Spain teams over the years, I think you know they are missing that person that you would probably look to. I mean, you you know you go back, you know the likes of Raúl, Fernando Torres. David Villa, even, you know, David Silva, even Sergio Ramos has scored quite a few goals, you know. <laughs> and I think to to be without, um, you know, a, a striker that you can kind of look to and think 100%. I, I would love to see Moreno have, uh, you know, be given a, a good solid chance. I think he's had a, a brilliant season and I would like to see if he can kind of translate that into the into the national team. Definitely, um, I've been a big fan of his this season. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would like to see it, um, but I think it's just that... You could look at and analyse this uh, this Spain team. Do I think it's the strongest? No. Do I think that there are certain areas of the pitch where they are lacking? Definitely. And I think this is an area it's not great. I just hope that they can um, 
they can pull it together in in some way. But yeah, definitely, I would love to see um, see Moreno have a good kind of crack of the whip. That was a shocking miss from Morato Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And as the ball fell to him, my first thought was like, "Oh, it's a goal." And then I yeah. thought, "Oh, you know what? I, I think he might miss." <laughs> it was yeah, and he's. He's so, for all of the, the profligacy, he's so good in the air as well. Mm. And then Moreno, when he came on, had that one at the end with his head. And I, I was just thinking afterwards, sort of the, the dying moments of the game, like if that first chance had fallen to Moreno and the, the cross had, fought, had come in for Morata at the end of the game, then they probably just win 2-0. Yeah. And, and <laughs> nobody's <True>. talking about <laughs> strikers or who, which one should start. And they've both got a goal each and everybody's happy. Um, those are the margins indeed uh, Alexander Rizek was very impressive for Sweden in this game did you enjoy his performance Frat and any idea why he was substituted with 20 minutes to go when he seemed to be <laughs> cooking on gas wasn't he and then he was just like right he's coming off now I think there is probably uh, I mean I have no idea but there is probably too much pressure on him right now uh, I mean you know who had to be there instead of him uh, the one and only Zlatan so oh, of course, uh, yeah. so so you know not having him and put a lot of uh, pressure on this kind of player. Uh, I think Sweden, there are teams that were quite unlucky uh, before the Euros, probably the, the most, un- the, the unluckiest in the, in the, in the old Euros because they lost, uh, uh, Ibrahimovic, of course, and also Kruzevski, who is probably their yeah. second best player, uh, for COVID. Uh, so at the end, uh, I, I think they, they did what they could. Uh, but they could do even better if they had these two players, probably. Is he coming back at all, Kulusevski, or is he basically out? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Because no, no, no. They, they you know, they have the choice uh, to to keep the squad as it is or replace the players before the first game of the of the Euros. Oh yeah, because Cancelo went uh, home, didn't he? Exactly, Portugal, yeah. exactly. Because they decided to replace him, yeah. but uh, Sweden decided to wait for Kulusevski. So if we'll be negative to to COVID the next days, he can play. Right. Okay. Cool. I, uh, I saw Lewis tweeting afterwards that he quite enjoyed this game despite the, the scoreline, Angelina, which shows what a pervert he is, I guess. But uh, what, what did you <laughs> make just, of it? It was just me, apparently. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you make of it? I, I mean, I, I thought the two managers were in the flow a little bit with their subs. It had, it had almost like a pre-season friendly vibe to me. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I think um, as, as a neutral, when you're watching games, you kind of want to see... I don't know, I just kind of want to see quite a lot of different things and to not get it, I think it's frustrating. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I am not a fan of subs after kind of like the 75th minute, if I'm being honest. Like, it's just a personal... I think, you know, watching Solskjaer manage Manchester United, I, me and subs, we we don't do well. So, um, so yeah, it got a little bit frustrating. But, yeah, I mean... It, it was all right. Was it the most memorable of games? Sorry, Lewis, I don't, I don't think it was. I didn't call it the but... most memorable <laughs> <Okay>. game. <laughs> well, the way you've been going on about it, I don't know. But no, um, yeah, you clearly it's... said that, Lewis. You clearly said yeah. that. You, I, I, we're clearly I, yeah. obsessed with the game. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what none of you know is that I didn't watch Germany-France last night. I just put that game on again and watched it all over did. again a second time. And you know what? We're not going to judge you for it. If that's what you want to do, you know, that's absolutely fine. You go with that. But yeah, I mean, it was all right, but I, I was just expecting a bit more as a, as a neutral. So yeah. yeah. Hope to see a bit more from Spain in the coming games. Uh, well, the first round of fixtures concluded with Group F on Tuesday night. Uh, firstly, Portugal left it late to get a 3-0 win against Hungary. Uh, Lewis, was it the archetypal example of the scoreline flattering them a bit? Yeah, I thought that especially Hungary could be a bit hard done by. I could feel a bit hard done by the 
it was a bit cruel that Portugal, I thought they were quite good in the first half, the second half, Hungary came into it a lot more and to then go and score the, the opener a few minutes after Hungary had just have one chalked off themselves felt a little bit, just a little bit cruel, a little bit unfair. Um, 3 0, it, it wasn't 3 0. No. I don't think the second goal was ever a penalty, personally. Uh, no, uh, it's just a so wall soft. Me, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think um, so? I thought he, I thought he just dragged him down. I thought it was no, like it, it. It just looked really, really soft to me. Like like one of those. Like I've, you've seen them given, but I don't know. I, I think you could have a penalty every time the ball goes in the box, almost <laughs> if if you're going to give it. Um, yeah, and, and, and credit to P- Portugal. The third goal was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it was just, yeah. So one of those where you just sort of have to stand up and applaud and what you've what you've just seen because it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was at least happy that Portugal were a bit more adventurous than they were at any point in Euro 2016, which I think and I hope bodes well for, for the group that they've got the next two games against France and Germany. Yeah, they're going to have to be a little bit better in those games. Uh, the match will perhaps be best remembered for Cristiano Ronaldo becoming the first men's player to play at five European Championships and also surpassing Michel Platini's record as the all-time leading goalscorer in the competition. He now needs just three more goals to match Ali Dea's record of 109 as the all-time leading international goalscorer. Are you backing him to do it at this tournament for us? He got three or four more goals in him? I think he can do it, to be honest, especially if he goes to... Uh, you know, uh, quarterfinals or, or round of 16, he can do it. Uh, three goals, Cristiano in two, three games, he can do it easily. So mm. I'm quite confident he can do that. Uh, I don't know if th- he needs that for, for, for his future since <laughs> we don't know what he wants to do, but, yeah. uh, maybe probably he needs it more for himself but uh, yeah I think he can do that to be honest yeah. it's Bruno Fernandes I feel sorry for because he's not going to be taking any penalties at this tournament is he no all, no 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 way <laughs> no way he won't be allowed any won't be allowed any Coca-Cola in the dressing room either exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> how important was this win for Portugal Angelina do you think uh, Portugal France and Germany should all be looking at Hungary as a must win game in this group um, yeah, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Hungary when I think of it that way, that like this is just like the team everybody should be beating. But yeah, you know, it, they, they should be the team that, that everybody is beating. Do I think that it's going to be um, it, as easy as, as that? You've just got to go and beat them. Um, I, I don't necessarily think so. And I also agree that I think the scoreline was a little bit unkind to them, to be honest. Um, but, you know, for, it was great for Portugal, buzzing for them that they managed to start off the tournament in a good way. It was unkind to Hungary that they did win 3-0, in my opinion. And, yeah, I just feel like as much as Hungary should be the kind of team that everybody kind of ticks the box of, yeah, we need to beat this team, keep it moving kind of thing. I don't know if it's going to be as easy as that. Yeah, well, they could play into Hungary's hands, that, because everyone puts a bit of extra pressure on themselves to win exactly. that game. And it's, uh, you know, or, or underestimates them a little bit. And before you know it, they're uh, reaping the rewards. Uh, finally, mm. the group game we were all waiting for took place in Munich on Wednesday night with France beating Germany 1-0. Uh, Lewis, how bad did you think Germany were in this game? Are there any positives they can take away from it? Um, I think the the... Big, big positive is that they've now got the game against France out of the way and they don't have to play them again. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, sometimes you watch a game and you're not sure how bad one team is or how good the other team is. And I felt a bit like that. I didn't feel like Germany were, were that bad or that awful. They just played against the world champions and yeah. France looked, absolutely looked apart. 
Um, they, you'd never guess that you know Benzema's not played with with Mbappe and Griezmann before. They're just, I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they've come in and they look like they're ready to just steamroll the entire tournament based on that. Yeah. It, I think the scary thing I thought was watching it that France probably had an extra gear or two that yeah. they could have gone up in. I didn't feel like they were playing anywhere near their best and they still made it look so, so easy. So I I don't think Germany were bad. I think, you know, he's called back Müller and Hummels after a couple of years out of the team and put them back in and the back three systems kind of new. I think they could go out in the group stage, but I also think something could click with it quite soon and they could actually go on a bit of a run and, and start to put results together. It really could go either way. It, it wasn't the ideal start, but it wasn't a disaster either. Yeah, I thought they got better as the game wore on, actually. I think they still deserve to lose, but definitely, uh, you know, it wasn't all yeah. bad news. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you about Max Hummels as well. He scored, scored the old goal, was lucky not to give a penalty away. Is he a bit over the hill at this point? Do you think it was maybe a mistake to call him back in? Was, are you talking about the, the tackle on Mbappe? <laughs> yeah. It was an incredible tackle. You reckon? I thought it was a blatant penalty. <laughs> Me and you, we never agree on penalties. Uh, I guess not, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, and even if it was a great tackle, he was just making up for how painfully slow he is in the first place. Well, I mean, um, Mbappe is painfully fast, isn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very, very cruel about putting those two in a foot race against each other. Um, no, I think if you look at the other options, and Nicolas Sula's barely played football for a year, was on the bench and probably would have, would have come in, or Emre Charm, maybe at centre back, would have come in if Hummels hadn't been called back. Uh, I think, you know, Germany have spent a couple of years now without Hummels at the back and realising that that was a mistake. I think it, it quite a big mistake for Love to change his mind and go back, go back on that decision. And he's had a couple of really, really good seasons for Borussia Dortmund as well. So he is, he's always been a bit slow. I think he's maybe even a bit slower now than he's ever been, uh, now that he is getting on a bit, but. I still think he's probably Germany's best centre back, and and the real surprise as well for me is that they didn't they called him and Müller back, but that Love didn't extend that invitation to Jerome Boateng as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, Robin Gosens was really good actually. I yeah, he, I mean, Fra Fra obviously watches him more more yeah. regularly as well. I, I think I'm shocked that he hasn't played more for Germany over the last couple of years the way that he's played for. Atalanta and now that Germany are playing that three-man defence you can basically just plug him in and ask him to play the exact same role that he yeah. plays in Italy so he, he's amazing he, he played Atalanta with Gosens on the left and Atebur on the on the right wing they are you know one of the best teams in Italy in the last four years five years so absolutely yes I'm surprised his price tag is only 25 million and if I if I will if I'm a club right now I will go for him 100% because 25 millions for a player like him right now it's it's unbelievable to me yeah what about France though Fra? I mean Lewis touched on it a bit there are the, are the reigning world champions still the best international side in the world on this evidence for me France they are another level they're they're playing another competition you know there is like France and then there is the Euros uh, the only the only thing that can prevent them to 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 win again another competition another tournament is the, the the dressing room you know the issues they can have between Benzema Giroud and all these important players so that's the only thing I can I can see as an obstacle because otherwise if you see the uh, France B I think I don't know if you if you saw that if France B like the the players that were not called for the tournament. 
for me, can be easily go to the semifinal. <laughs> uh, easily. Yeah. So imagine the, the team that won the World Cup with Karim Benzema. So for me, there is no, no competition. Then, of course, football is football, so everything can happen. But on the, uh, if, you, if, you, if you see it from a logical point of view, they're, they're playing another game. Hey, they were supposed to be the best team in 2006, weren't they? Look what happened there. And I wouldn't be sad if that happens again. I'm you know, sure so. you wouldn't. I'm sure you wouldn't. Uh, Angelina, you were there, of course, at the Allianz Arena or the, by what they call it, the Munich Arena or something for this tournament? Yeah, I think that's the name for the tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul Pogba had an especially good game. Is he a different Pogba to the one we see at Manchester United? And, and what do you think is the secret to getting the best out of him? You know what? If I'm being completely honest, right, and Matt was with me on this when he was at the stadium with me, I kind of went back and watched the highlights of that game, even though I was actually there, because <laughs> there was a couple of things that Paul Pogba did that were actually also quite poor, and I'm not hating on him because I'm totally <laughs> happy that he's getting the praise that he's getting. But the, I'm, we've got to be honest, there was a couple of passes where I was a bit like, what's he playing at here? He needs to have, have sit down and have a minute. because. But he was still brilliant, but I think people aren't really highlighting that there was a few little moments that were also slightly, I was a little bit concerned. But anyway, because me and Matt were both like, were thinking the same thing. But anyway, Paul Pogba, yes, he did have a very, very good game. Um, completely different, Paul Pogba. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and it's just... Um, but, you know, it's it's the age-old question with Manchester United, how to get the best out of Paul Pogba. And it's I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to look at the quality that he's playing with in that France national team. I think that just from the looks of it, I think he gets a lot more freedom um, on the pitch with France. Um, but you've also got to look at, you know, he's playing alongside, you know, the likes of Kante. Who's yeah. he got at Man United? Scott McTominay. No shade <laughs> to Scott McTominay, but he's no Kante. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that... Um, I reckon I could look decent alongside Kante in midfield. You know? I reckon he'd, he'd be the best out of me as well. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just... Um, I, I do just think that the quality that he is surrounded by, um, and as we've, we've seen previously in Pogba's career... Um, you know, when he's surrounded by that quality, I think we see that quality come out as well. Um, and if anything, obviously, we've not had a Paul Pogba monologue now about wanting a new challenge since 2019, I believe. He's actually been quiet. So um, I'm not too sure what's going to happen. But you know, Raul has been busy, that's why, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's been busy, you know, stirring the pot with other situations. Yeah. So um, he's not been able to tweet like a drunk auntie or something about Solskjaer. So, yeah, um, I think it's great for Pogba that he's had such a great performance. I hope it continues. If anything, it's just going to kind of raise his profile. But if other clubs want to sign him, I can't even be mad if if he does leave. Um, but if Manchester United can work something out with him, I know that allegedly they are having contract negotiations and stuff. But I think all this is going to do, surely, is give United a kick up the backside that they need to bring in yeah. some quality signings around him. Well, since though you were there, you you should be the the authority on this question. Did did Rudiger bite Pogba's shoulder in the first half, and if so, why? <laughs> You know what? I was very confused by this. Again, I watched the highlights afterwards just to check because I, I don't recall seeing anybody like fully bite someone, but I, I think it was he a got nibble. a little bit yeah. too... Yeah, nibble, just a little nibble. Um, it's very strange. Um, I like how Pogba was like, yeah, he had a nibble. Like, I don't want him to get suspended or anything. Like, we're friends, it's fine. But he definitely did nibble me. Like... We've all nibbled our mates from time to time, haven't we? Come on. It's... Um, not, during a Euro... I... not during a Euro. Especially. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's time yet. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't they... want to speak for everybody else, but personally. 
I, I can I cannot say that I I have done that at all in a Euro game. But yeah, it's um, very very strange. I think maybe I'm I'm trying to back him up here. Maybe did he kind of like accidentally nibble him or something? And maybe Luis this is Suarez a question. Defense, yeah. yeah, maybe this is a question <laughs> for Luis Suarez. They need to bring him in to give us some. Um, some kind of analytics on this in his opinion because <laughs> yeah he's he's the chief of all things nibbling and biting indeed indeed uh, well that will do us for this review of the first round of games we will be back again on Monday 21st of June to review the second round of games so we hope you will join us for that thanks to Lewis, Angelina and Fra for joining me thanks to everyone for listening and if you want to get any questions into us before the next show remember you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or tweet us at onefootball I'm